This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all blow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. In a flop house, three stoners are looking for the ultimate high. Large bong for sale. Recently deceased owner claims it was possessed. Because if there's one thing this pad is lacking, it's a killer fucking bong, man. What they found is something sinister. It's the item you've been waiting for. Does my bong look different? It's the bong, man. It's evil. One hit and she gives you your dreams. Did you know where we are? But in this world, you get high, you die. I come to take you out, bitch. Only one thing is for certain. She'll give you the munchies. Alright folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. I am your host Cameron Scott and with me as always is my faithful co-host Dustin Hubbard. How are you doing tonight Dustin? Hey, I am great. Uh, happy to be back as always. Yeah, we're going, we're going for third generation uh, full moon for the first time. We've covered a lot of old school stuff, a lot of 80s and 90s stuff, but we're getting kind of into the... I guess you could call it third generation full moon, right? Definitely, yeah. I would I would consider this uh, from what I would consider, yeah, like the the third era of full moon's life cycle. So, 
This was the movie, which we're, we're reviewing Evil Bong tonight. We'll be reviewing and dissecting uh, Evil Bong from 2006. Once again, directed by the great Charlie Band. Once, Sooner or later, we'll uh, review something that Charlie didn't direct, but it seems like we're on a run here of uh, reviewing Charlie movies. But that's okay. That's what this show's all about. Uh, this was the movie, though, that actually kind of brought me back to Full Moon. I had, I wouldn't say I fell out of love with Full Moon, but I just kind of hit a period in my life where I was, you know, making movies and working for a living, so I wasn't watching a lot of movies. So it was one of those, like, I hadn't watched a Full Moon movie in a while. What are they up to lately? And I looked into it and saw Evil Bong, and it had my name written all over it. And I'll let you <laughs> figure that one out for yourself. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> it's it's a fun movie. It's not really a horror movie though. It, it, I mean, it's there's there's kill scenes, there's deaths, but and there's of course evil in the title. But it's a straight up stoner comedy. At what it is at its heart, and it makes no uh, you know no excuses for what it is. Um, we'll get right into it though. Uh, the storyline or the IMDb synopsis is as follows. The straight-laced nerd Alistair moves into a college dorm with hardcore marijuana users Brett, Larnell, and Bachman. Larnell orders a giant bong that proves to have strange magical powers. When smoking said bong set, sends a person to a bizarre, drugged-out alternate realm from which there's no easy escape. And, you know, th th there is an escape from this world, but, you know, I, I can't imagine that, you know, once you've gotten to this world that you'd ever want to leave <laughs> i mean it, it's it seems to be set in a world that the evil bong world or bong land bong world whatever you want to call it is set in a world of debauchery i mean once you get past the fact that uh you die once you get there it's, it's not the world's worst existence it's not the best existence but you know i i can think of can you i mean you, you probably think of other purgatories that are a little worse Oh yeah, I mean Bong World in in this first movie, Bong World is a giant titty bar that you can't escape from. But presuming that you know your your hetero males watching the movie, why in the hell would you ever try and want to escape Bong World? <laughs> like, yeah, right. That's right. That would, would gorgeous women everywhere trying to seduce you. Granted, they end up killing you, but like, you know. I, I just can't help but think of what a way to go. I, mean, I, I can think of much worse ways to go, you know, dying on your deathbed in your 90s, hooked up to machines, you know, or something. Like, it, it, it could be a hell of a lot worse. But uh, let's get right off into it. I mean, it, the movie, it starts off, I mean, it starts off right into the story. Alistair uh, is a kind of a, they even make a reference to it as kind of the nerd's reject. Uh, played by uh, David Weedorf. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but give it a shot. Uh, he's very much, you know, just uh, the atypical nerd with very, you know, prim and proper hair, or a po pocket protector with a bunch of pens and his comb sticking out of it. He's going to uh, get an apartment, re referring to an ad that he got in the newspaper. And her, but Larnell, uh, John Patrick J Jorgen, and, or Jordan, I'm sorry. And Larnell thinks he's, you know, he's uh, a narc at first, which is, you know, obvious when you open the door to this place that it's a uh, a drug den. You know, there's pot posters all over the wall. It's very 
atypically messy. It was a I don't imagine what you would expect like an extra from Days to Confuse house would look like. <clears throat> but uh, you know, Larnell lets him in, you know, and he's introducing him to the other roomies there, Bachman and Brett, who are played respectively by Mitch uh, Eakins. Is that how you pronounce his name? I think. Yeah, Mitch Akins. Yeah. Akins. And then Brian Lloyd is Brett. Uh, Bachman is kind of the really atypical laid back stoner. It's kind of a, he's, he even reminded me a little bit like Ted from Bill and Ted if Ted was a stoner. Yeah, he's completely like perma stoned. Like even if he's not smoking, he's still like completely brain fried. <laughs> yeah. It's like he starts every every sense with like, hey man, you know, which yeah. will get into play later. <laughs> Everything he says has just this like really weird tone, like tone to his voice because he's like way too relaxed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like what you said though. Perma stone, that's a good term. <laughs> he's he's basically playing the best version of uh, I've seen of uh, like Rory Cochran's character from Days of Confused. You know, he's mm. just like always oh, this kind of hey man, he, but he's kind of he's basically like Chong. Which we'll get into the 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 Chong reference here in a little little bit, but uh, him and Brett Brett's kind of he's he's the one stoner who doesn't really quite fit in with the rest of them. I always thought he was a strange character because he's basically a jock, you know, like one of the jocks from like Angel Beach and Porky's or something. You know, <laughs> he's playing baseball, but you know he got kicked off the team because he failed the drug test, which I just love. I love these guys. You know, I, I've known every single one of these people, or ver- I should say, variations of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. at various points in my life. Uh, growing up in Indiana in the in the eighties and nineties, I have ran into these characters more than once. And you're an Indiana native, so I'm sure you, yeah. you relate to that. Definitely. But it doesn't take long uh, for Alistair or Al, as they like to call him. He doesn't like to be called. Uh, Al, he likes Alistair. Uh, it doesn't take long for them to entice him so well with, with their wonderful apartment, which this looks every bit like it smells. Or I should say smells every bit like it looks, I'm sure. It just it looks like it smells like a gym locker. It's just the nastiest place. There's The only thing that's missing is like rats crawling in the corner. And when he, you know, he says, oh, it's 40 bucks a week. I'm like, that's the cheapest fucking room you could ever yes. even in 2006 am i right it's a preposterous rent it's <laughs> like, <laughs> less than ten dollars a day for crying out loud uh, but you know when he gets this old dirty mattress i, lo- I love that i made a note of this he's like i want to be a nice guy and throw him this mattress you know for free you know oh no 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 he doesn't even do it for free doesn't he charge him an extra five bucks for yeah, the mattress? an extra five bucks for the week <laughs> yeah for this stained dirty mattress that's had God knows what done to it. Knowing those guys, yeah, who knows how dirty it is. Don't put yeah, it underneath a UV light. Oh no, don't put a don't bring a UV light <laughs> into this apartment at all. Uh, <laughs> but uh then we get uh Luann and Janet come in, and Luann is played by the, the lovely magnificent Robin Sydney, who is probably you would know if I'm right about this, but I was looking at her resume, and she's probably been in more full moon movies than anybody. 
Robin does hold the record for being in more formal movies than any actor or actress in history. I I couldn't give you an exact number, but it's uh, far more than 10 at least. And I'm, and I'm counting vocal appearances as well. So. Yeah. I would bet she is probably upwards of 20. I just glanced at her resume and I'm like pretty extensive resume in the business, but. Yeah, I mean, if you consider just Evil Bong alone, her and Sonny Carl Davis are the only two performers who've appeared in every Evil Bong film, which is a eight movies deep. So Was she in all of them? I thought there was one that she wasn't in. She is in all eight. Yeah, her and Rabbit. So, oh, and, and Rabbit. got two Ginger Dead Man movies that she was in, aside from these eight movies. That right there alone is 12 that's not counting all of her other random things you know, that she's done in between, like skull heads and uh, dead well, man. She was in a couple of the, a couple of the uh, Killjoy movies. I know she was in, um, well, Barbie and Kendra saved the, the Tiger King and Corona yeah. Zombies, you know. And she was in uh, uh, Killjoy's Psycho Circus. And she was in Haunted Casino with our other actress, uh, Kristen Green. Uh, who plays Janet. Weren't they both in that? They were, yep. I haven't seen that in probably a decade. We need to review that soon, because I'm aching to see that one again. It'd be uh, <laughs> aching. I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'll, but, uh, I'll guarantee you that one will be a more awkward revisit, because it aged sort of weird. But uh, Yeah, Haunted Casino. I could, I could go off on a tangent about that one. I, I remember loving it when I first saw it, and then when I bought it a couple of years after I had first viewed it, uh, my opinion changed quite a bit, but it's full moon. I still got it in my collection. You you know, everything but transfer six. Once again, I'm looking at you transfer six. (laughs) You're the thorn in my side. Uh, But then we get, we have, we got to mention, we are, well, we've already mentioned him, but enter Sonny Carl Davies as the delivery man. He's just known as the delivery man in this movie, but. He becomes a more central character known as Rabbit in the many, many sequels. And we'll get to those one day. We'll, you know, we're starting off. There's an, an eight. Uh, there's eight in this series. So we got material for days. By the time we get to number eight, they'll probably have a nine or a ten out. I would be willing to bet. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, I love how it segues. I mean, basically, Alistair gets the apartment. The next minute they're talking, uh, Larnell sees an ad for a quote-unquote bong for sale from a recently deceased owner that claims that it was quote-unquote possessed. So, foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> but he orders it, and then Sonny Carl Davies shows up with the bong, and there's a little bit of an exchange. And that, that's the only bit we get to see with Sonny in it. Uh, he is a lot more prominent as Rabbit throughout the rest of the series. He becomes a much, much more central character. So it, that's one thing that's kind of sad about this movie. We only get a little cameo appearance of him. But this movie felt like it was, the, you know, it was like the cavalcade of superstars from uh, Full Moon. It's it's like the, I always considered evil Bong. And what I tell people it is, is that it's sort of like the penultimate full moon universe movie because there's so many different characters and things happening in it you know that kind of show you the so many of the different franchises 
all coexist within the same world. Even something like, you know, I don't I don't understand why they chose to just call him the delivery man in the first one, because he's clearly rabbit from Trancers 2. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, he He's he's doing, you know, I don't know, he's got the same ticks and he's got he's literally repeats, you know, dialogue from Trancers too. But uh yeah, I think this first one it was more about like sort of he might have known he was gonna make like a million sequels to this, so it was more setting up this world of characters and especially these four main guys who would actually carry us through uh, the first handful of these movies. So I mean, because we have uh, Larnell and Alistair, uh, Bachman and Brett, you know, do the least the first three. I, I get a little fuzzy with them, you know, uh, at, at, between like the the crossover movies and whatnot. But you know, yeah, no, you're you're on point there. They're all four in the first three. Okay. Point, side note being that Alistair, the the ongoing joke is, is that each, each of the scenes he's played by a different actor and Larnell always has a moment where he's like, Oh, Hey Al, I didn't recognize you there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. He's, he's recognizing he's a different person, but, uh, come part, the fourth film being the versus movie, uh, the other three of them, except Larnell were completely written out. Larnell is the only returning one of the four. And Larnell, uh, I think wasn't it, if I remember correctly, unless I'm mistaken, was pretty much gone and written out after part five, wasn't he? Yeah, Larnell carried through versus 420 and high five, and then he vanished after high five. He did make a a slightly, uh, I guess, release timeline-wise. He did appear after part five in Killjoy's Psycho Circus. He has a brief appearance in that as Larnell because Larnell is actually one of Killjoy's sponsors for his television show. <laughs> I um, actually have, have not mm-hmm. seen that one. I have not seen uh, the Killjoy Cycle Circus. It's on my short list of ones that I need to watch. But there's a lot going on there. But <laughs> I guess going off the idea that maybe you know Larnell does have some money because he gets you know I'm assuming a nice little allowance from Cyril. Uh, maybe he was using some of that money to fund Killjoy, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's uh, the next thing I was going to mention, you know, when they uh, that there's a little bit of backstory where Brett tells Alistair about how Larnell used to be a law school student and is, you know, Cyril, his granddad, you know, he came from money and had money and they used to party it up with the money all the time. But now the old man has c- cut them off. And, you know, we get the first time they, they actually meet with Cyril, I mean, I, I know Cyril appears in, in the in the sequels, <clears throat> but uh, oh God. He's, in, he's, in a, he's in a good number of them, Cyril. It's funny because in the Versus movie, they say Larnell says Cyril died in Versus, but then he magically reappears in Five. Right, right. The, the and then comes to 666. Yeah, and 666, I think, ends with a memorial to Jacob Wakin because at that point he had actually passed. So, And he had, uh, I know he had the actor that played him. I can't remember his name. Oh, God, was it Jacob? Jacob something. Jacob Whitkin. Yeah, I would have thought I would have wrote that one down. <laughs> but uh, 
But he he's a force to be reckoned with. He was in Ginger Dead Man too. I remember him and that he was great. <laughs> He was one of the things I walked away from this movie loving. I love Cyril's character. He's just a cantankerous, vulgar, profane old man. Yeah, and he comes in, he's just nasty. Venom spitting old prick humanly possible. It's almost like comic book cartoonish level of like mean. <laughs> Everything out of his mouth is like a highly constructed, you know, like adjective Latin. Yeah, yeah he, he can't help but to insult Larnell because Larnell is just like a source of great, great disappointment to him. Yeah, and he takes great pride in actually like putting him down. <laughs> right. Oh, God. But then, well, there's the whole sequence where Cyril introduces them. He plays up real big that he's got a new wife. And Larnell, you've got a new grandmother, and I married in a house. She's such a, such a vixen, and I met her at the you know, the gym and all this and enters in uh, a <laughs> little old lady that I remember playing the grandmother in uh, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, she's <laughs> most remembered as being like from It's Always Sunny. That's why I looked at her this time around. I'm like, oh my God, like that, the lady that plays Rosemary's is the grandma. I'm like, and uh, she played mm-hmm. the, the piano during the Nightman sequences. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, you know, she passed away, you know, not too long ago, but she was lived to be 102. You know, she was she didn't start acting until she was like 95, 96. Yeah, she was like, uh, I forget. I forget the woman's name. She was like the the rapping granny from uh, Wedding Singer. She's someone who just like magically somehow fell into acting like way late into life. <laughs> and then, you know, look, just look good got for a bunch her. Of work, you know. So. You know, like I'm, like I said, though, good for her. You know, I mean, she only acted in I think five or six things, but you know, mm-hmm. she's 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 funny. Uh, she she's just funny. She was really good, and she they gave her a lot more to do, and it's always sunny. Yeah, but but you know, the the, the old man Cyril is just going very nasty about like hit the stuff that him and her do in bed, and, like. <laughs> Like, dude, is she all right? You know, like, she can hardly walk. She looks like she's dead. Like, ooh, we had ourselves a nice go of it this morning. It's like, oh, oh. like, I, I know you're supposed to enjoy sex well into your old age, but if you're going to be 102, you you know, you, I don't know. You, you just worry about throwing out a hip or something. I just <laughs> about that. Uh, but to get back to the, 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 the center of our story. We have, we'll already go ahead and name her E.B., the evil bong. They they all smoke from her, and, you know, they kind of notice it has a kind of a feminine quality, a feminine face and, and and breasts on the bong. But as they smoke from it, they it kind of alters and morphs and changes, and the features get a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say, get a little bit more defined and refined as every person smokes from her. The, the Her power starts to come back. Now, Luann and Janet, they come in. They're basically, Janet is a, a kind of, uh, she's fodder for Alistair. She's his love interest of the movie, uh, and she's played by Kristen Green. And, but Luann, played by Robin Sidney, is um, Bachman. No, not Bachman. Uh, Brett's girlfriend. Brett's girl, yeah. And I, as much as I love her, she's the Luann character is just utterly annoying. <laughs> she, she's, she's everything she's, that I hate yeah, in her she's, 
she herself is like another like over the top bizarrely cartoonish caricature played by a human being <laughs> like because she's just so like i don't know she's just someone that's bizarrely overly hateful and yes. really fucking bitchy she's hard to like <laughs> i learned to like her as the movies went along a bit though but after you get past three and brett wasn't in the movies anymore her purpose in being in them was kind of there was no purpose. <laughs> other it was than questionable thing. to say the least, wasn't it? Yeah. Other than having Robin Sydney in the movie again, you know. So And once again, like like we said, you know, before with certain characters, you know, what movie couldn't be made better by having Robin Sydney in it, you know? It, whether she's a likable character like in Ginger Dead Man or she's a reprehensible character in Evil Bong. She's good at what she does, and she just immerses herself in the character, no matter how you know crazy the character might be. And oh, she's really? great. I, I love her. But uh, Bachman is the first one to fall. He's the first one to fall victim to uh, the fate of the evil bong. If you, you take too many hits off of it, E.B., the evil bong, which I never actually got the, that utterly simple reference as many times as I've watched these movies. <laughs> I just like today, all of a sudden, while writing, handwriting my notes out and write down the <laughs> name Evie, I'm like, Evie, evil bong. Oh, God, it's so simple. <laughs> like, maybe I need to smoke another one or smoke one less. I don't know. But <laughs> but it was just like, oh, that was like, I wonder where they came up with that name. I don't have to wonder too far. I think Charlie just uh, smoked a spliff and was just like, Evie, evil bong. There we go. <laughs> But uh, you described the world that, that she takes Bachman to, and that he's the first victim. It, this bong world is basically a haunted uh, strip club with uh, with killer strippers, you know, with uh, with bras, bustiers that like eat their victims. I mean, so the first one, you know, has little skull faces, and he's you know kind of romantic, romanticizing with her, and her bustier or brazier, whatever you want to. Call it uh, eats his neck out and he just like he still is like in stoner world he, he doesn't quite get the fact that he's dying he's just like monkey. <laughs> you know and he dies he, and, and if you die in the evil bong world you die in the real world so that everybody you know doesn't really quite notice at first that uh, bachman is dead not even alistair who's supposed to be the smart one he's just trying to study you know, Larnell is playing Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, which I thought was really <laughs> timely. And, and he, the fact that he has a bunch of Xbox games stacked on this old uh, box-style television, but he's playing Super Nintendo. <laughs> I question the fact that they licensed that Super Nintendo game. So I I don't think they did. I I I, I don't know. I, I don't. I I just think it's flown under the radar, and Nintendo has never you know, found it out, or at least just doesn't care. Yeah, they probably knew there wasn't any money in making a stink about it, so... Well, I think that I, I read as one of the uh, goofs, or one of the, the errors of the movie was, uh, when I read on IMDb up about it, was that the music that's playing for the video game is not the same music for Super Mario World, so maybe that's why they kind of did that to kind of... Kind of mask it a bit. <laughs> yeah, to kind of cover their own asses, I guess. 
you know, that's, this is the way of Charlie. But uh, let's, let's get into the residents of Bong World. We'll take a break from going along the storyline. We run into some absolute full moon royalty. Now, uh, live full moon royalty, we get Tim Thomerson in a cameo as Jack Death. In this movie, at one point, it happens later on in the movie because Alistair ends up in Bong World. Everybody ends up in Bong World. And he tells him, you know, he looks like, hey, nice hair, dry hairs for squids. I love it. I cheered for that moment. <laughs> I fist pumped in the air because it was like we hadn't seen Jack Death, the Jack Death, not the imitation Jack Death, in what, probably mm-hmm. 11 or 12 years? Probably yeah. at this point. Yeah, and at this point, that was actually Tim Thomerson's final appearance, uh, not just as Jack Death, but in a full moon movie in general. Yeah, I mean, so if you don't count the cameo from that, it's been 24, 25 years since Tim Thomerson has been in a a full moon movie. With this one, it's only been uh, 14 years. But I would I would have loved to have seen the spinoff movie just because I read into things too much. I'd love to see the spinoff movie seeing where Jack Death had to take a hit off EB and got stuck (laughs) in bomb world. (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? That's I I breathe too much into these things too because that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I want to know how I want to at least see a short film about how Jack De- Jack Death got into Bong World. Like, did he hit rock bottom and become became a stoner and just decided to you know take a hit from the bong? You know, was Jimbo involved? You know, who knows? Yeah, I would totally watch a movie where Tommy Chong and Jack Death were like hitting off the evil bong. Right. I, you know, we, somebody should get on Charlie about that. You know, we need, we need <laughs> that movie. The world needs that movie. But the other the other people we get, we do get a cameo by the one and only Bill Mosley, who uh, was in Crash and Burn as the evil android. He's just a yeah. he's just yeah, a, some of the weird early talk about it, too, was that he might have actually was going to be that character, Quinn. <laughs> But it, when you see the movie itself, I don't really think he is the same character. So, No, he kind of sounds, I mean, like with the voice that he does at first before he kind of drops the facade, you know, he first mm-hmm. starts saying, hey, I'm going to carve out your heart with a grapefruit spoon or something like that. Or carve out your eye with a grapefruit spoon. Grapefruit spoon and like a car battery or something. Yeah, yeah I'm going to work you over. Yeah, he's going to, I'm going to work you over with a car battery and a grapefruit spoon. That was it. Which is a great line, is a great line. But, like, he just kind of drops the facade, because he, he's kind of like a, he does the voice kind of like a gangster, like you expect him to yeah. be a member of the Corleone family, you know? But, like he would have been one of the bad guys from Dead Man's Hand. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they were, like, gangsters in that. Gangster ghosts, so. Well, you know, considering Sid Haig the, was in that, and so was uh, Michael Berryman, that could have been very much like a... You know, kind of bringing back the uh, a trio from Devil's Rejects. You know that maybe that was what they were aiming for with bringing Mosley, but it was it was just nice. It was a nice little fifteen second cameo, but then he drops his the facade of being a tough guy, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm just fucking with." You. He's like, and he he literally like goes from being a thug to just being mm-hmm. Mosley. 
He's like, hey, mm-hmm. man, you know, if you find a way out of here, you want to let me know? Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. And, yep. <laughs> and then we get uh, Phil Fondacaro. I love seeing him and stuff. I know he he hasn't really done a whole lot here in recent years, but yeah, I, I think I, I think Phil's just retired. I think honestly, yeah, which is good. You know, I mean, when you hit a certain age, you want to retire. That's great, but I miss him. I miss seeing him and stuff. And you know, it just is what it is. But it was nice to see him. It was just like, oh yeah, you're in this. Totally. And it's it's unfortunate that in this movie he's billed as club patron as well, because much like, you know, Rabbit is Rabbit. And in this, he's not just a club patron. He was he was Ivan from Decadent Evil. <laughs> oh, really? See, I have not seen Decadent Evil. That's also yeah. on my list of stuff that I need to Ivan, watch. Ivan, who is also a very like big universe type film character now, because he was he did, you know. I guess Decadent Evil being a weird spin-off series that Charlie himself directed off of subspecies. So you get Ivan in one. This Ivan came back in part two, but he was played by a different actor because uh, Phil wasn't doing movies with Full Moon anymore at that time. Sadly, this is actually Phil's last appearance in a Full Moon movie, for the record, as Evil Bong one. Uh, and then Ivan would reappear many moons later in. Uh, Raven Wolf Towers, and then uh, many and moons. Master. I see what you did. Haha, <laughs> see. And then Ivan was even brought into Puppet Master Axis Termination, and then the Blade film is actually uh, about Ivan's daughter. So nice. I, I would say that's a multi-genre uh, right there, a multi-series. Crosses a lot. Crosses a lot of franchises. <laughs> so it actually crosses like you know three of the main. You know, three of the main franchises full moons down for so. But yeah, it, it felt like this was like again, it was like a who's who. Like they were just having a, a last hurrah for some of the the older, you know, fellas from the lineup, and they were just like, hey, you know, come on in, do this last little cameo just for shits and giggles. Like you ain't doing nothing for the weekend, just come out and do it. It has that fun kind of feel to it. And then we also get, uh, we also get cameos from Ginger Dead Band, uh, yep. Jack Attack from demonic toys and then ooga booga even which actually after i seen this movie for the first time i had to watch ooga booga because i had no idea who the hell that was supposed to be i had absolutely no idea i'm like why is this little dude like kind of masturbating in the corner (laughs) (laughs) dudes are getting eaten so i have to pose the question for you do you know where ooga booga himself originated from no no i don't i i i can't lie, I don't. Uga, Uga originated in the movie that came out just before Evil Bong. He was one of a lineup of four killer dolls in Charlie's movie Doll Graveyard. See, that's another one I haven't watched. See, I'm making notes here. <laughs> and then Uga ended up making an appearance here. And then, you know, a good handful of years later, he just ended up doing a whole spinoff film about Ooga Booga. So, see, by the time was, I they, see, they were going to do a sequel to Ooga Booga, but they never did. So, well, I kind of think like what you've said many times on the show before, and I've actually had other people mention it, is that uh, you know everything for Charlie is has a sequel already in mind for it. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not the franchise takes off. Yeah, they ran a contest on the website ages ago to 
come up with the subtitle for Uga Booga 2. And I remember, I think it was the one that won was Uga Booga 2 Electric Uga Boogaloo. Uga Boogaloo. <laughs> and, and then oh, the I like that. So Uga would later appear in like uh, Evil Bong 420 also. But it's, it's, it's almost a sacrilege that that never happened. That's a great oh. title. <laughs> so funny trivia additionally for you for Uga Booga. In Uga Booga's first film, being Doll Graveyard, one of the main girls' boyfriends in that was played played by Brian Lloyd, uh, Brett. Oh, and Brett ends up being killed by Uga Booga and takes his spear to the eye. So he actually got killed by Uga Booga in a different film. So. I guess that just proves Uga Booga is a little bit tough, uh, tougher on than uh, EB was. Oh, yeah, exactly. we're all spoilers here. EB, technically, in eight films, EB has never killed a single person. So, And hasn't the same actress uh, done the voice for Evil Bong or the EB for all the movies? And it's the same voice? Yeah, yeah, Michelle Mays. Uh, yeah, she's the voice for all, all eight films. Yep. Not like uh, Ginger Dead Man, who was probably voiced by, what, four, five different people? I think every single time Ginger Dead Man has actually been voiced by someone different. In the first movie, it was BBC. In this, it was, I believe, Beekler. Oh, yeah, John John Carl. Yeah. In Ginger Dead Man 2, I believe it was actually, I could be wrong, but I think it was John Volich, effects artist. Um, who who worked with Beekler a lot, and I believe uh, also did the full body makeup designs uh, under his company Optic Nerve for the Castle Freak. And then again, I could be wrong, but I think it was actually William Butler who did him in three. Oh, William Butler! Then uh, he even directed part three, didn't he? He directed two and three. Yeah, he directed both Ginger Dead Man two and three under a pseudonym Sylvia Saint Croix. <laughs> Because they, they were non-union movies, and to my knowledge, I believe Butler was do- doing a lot of directing work for, like, Disney Channel. Uh, he did a lot okay. of, like, directing for TV spots and little TV show shit on Disney Channel. And I think he had even worked on a lot of, like, the Mary-Kate and Ashley, like, sleepover videos and, like, the Mary-Kate and Ashley detective videos. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I remember seeing those on the video yeah, show. He worked on a lot of those, and those, those were all unionized work, so he wasn't allowed to do jobs like those. So they just created the facade of, uh, like, this 70-year-old woman, Sylvia St. Croix, directing these weird B-movies. <laughs> so, that's that's funny, coming up with little pseudonyms. Like, people aren't going to find out, you know, eventually anyway. But can't lie about anything with the with IMDb nowadays. So, like, uh, with the the benefit or curse, I guess you could call it, of the Internet, there's nothing yeah. that's going to be kept a secret. You know, maybe yeah. in the days before the Internet, you could have kept something like that under the yeah. under the table. But there was an actress from Ginger Dead Man 2 and 3 who had actually had her birth date erroneously listed on her page and she claimed that she had lost a lot of like high profile work because people saw like casting directors saw what her true age was as opposed to what her performing age was and she actually sued imdb 
for making the information. You know, I remember reading something about that. I remember reading something about that on, uh, I think it was while looking up uh, trivia for IMDb. Yeah. Or for uh, Digimed Man. Yeah, 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 I remember reading about that. And she she won, didn't she? She did, yeah. She was a random roller skate girl in Ginger Dead 3. And in Ginger Dead 2, I think she played uh, Del Rio was her character. She was in the skit where it was the sci-fi movie set being directed by David Dakota and she was oh, yeah. she was the Asian like space captain who was be, being I think maybe she was the one being paddled because they were trying to get like an alien out of her asshole or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so, I remember that oh classy uh, stuff classy and stuff. then the guy when he's like did I do a good job Mr. Dakota and he's like looks down below the you know from over the paper with this really annoyed look on his face because he wasn't even looking when he directed the scene. He looks right. at the cameraman and he's like, did we get the shot with it in focus? He's like, oh we did. Yeah. Okay. Kid, you were awesome. You're a fucking natural. <laughs> I, I just like that David Dakota and John Carl uh, Beekler both basically play versions of themselves. Yeah. Dakota loved that versions of himself because he he would later actually appear in Evil Bong 420 and High Five as himself, the director. <laughs> so that's great stuff. Uh, okay, well, anyway, anyway, we digress a little bit. Digress, but that's okay. That's if what this show's about. Evil yeah. Bong is a huge rabbit hole in and of itself that connects to just way more than you realize. <laughs> so, yeah, rabbit hole. I also see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, well, who's who gets? Uh, yeah, well, you can, you can't <laughs> help but make a little bit of a rabbit reference here and there. But isn't uh, it? It's not Brett that gets taken next, is it? I'm, I'm I had to look back over my notes here. Is uh, EB takes Brett second? Yeah, I believe Brett was second, and then Larnell was final. Yeah, or no wait, no, wasn't it? Wasn't Larnell second, and then Brett because Brett comes in with. Uh, Luann and Janet, and then they all kind of. Larnell is just sitting in his chair, and they think he's sleeping. And that's when uh, I think uh, Alistair, I think, uh, notices that he's, you know, not breathing anymore, and that he's dead. But I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm backwards about it. I, I don't I don't know. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Every everybody ends up smoking <laughs> from the bong and ends up, you know, succumbing to the uh, the wiles of the EB way. And every mm. time somebody kind of gets their soul sucked into EB, you know, by smoking from they, they, she changes a little bit. You know, certain features get a little bit more defined. She gets a little bit more uh, powerful and whatnot. Mm. But, but the, uh, I think, you know, like, I think the point where Luann goes into her crazy mode, because Luann, Janet, and, uh, Brett also end up smoking from uh, the bong. Alistair, of course, is the straight lace one. He doesn't smoke it until he has to. Until he has to, to end up saving the day, he smokes from the bong to, you know, to go in and save Janet, his newfound love. Which I just thought was funny. I'm like, he just met this woman, and he's willing to, to literally, like, you know, die for her the day after he meets her, which is just, you know, movie logic, <laughs> I guess. It, 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 
pushes the plot forward of the movie. Otherwise, it would just be like, you know, no, I don't think I'm going to die for this lady. I don't think I would. You know, he couldn't have been that attached to her. He knew her for about 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I did make a note here was Larnell killed by shark titties. Uh, he, he 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 gets in, into the the evil bong world, and you know, of course, it, it's a it's, it's a strip club from hell, and you know, this girl has on a, a bra with little sharks on him, and of course, he sticks his hand into the shark, thinking he's going to cop a feel, and eats his hands off. Yeah, you know, yeah. he he was second too. <laughs> you are correct. Because I, I had to think about it, because yeah, that was when everybody else, yeah, kind of all went next. Yeah, uh, what's his face? Bachman gets killed by by goth boobs, the the skull skull bra, and then Larnell gets killed by the shark bra, and then Brett gets killed by, I believe, the the lip bra. Yeah, the lip bra, because I made a note that said it looked like the cover from the the Rolling Stones, those kind of lips. Yep, which uh, which in a way, this movie was a weird marketing ploy for Charlie's. Uh, product the monster bra which you can still buy on the website the monster bra really uh, yeah you I can actually buy those cool. yeah you can actually buy those bras they they used to offer a, a few more types of bra i believe i think maybe they only offer one or two specific ones and one of them isn't even from the film because one of them might they called the bigger bra because it was just a bra that was shaped like enormous tits so <laughs> oh, that's but, a yeah, thing. you can't actually still buy monster bras on the website i believe unless it's changed recently uh yeah you can still get the lip bra and the the bigger bra so they're 25 bucks so you know that's the one thing he charlie knows how to market stuff he he can put an image or a likeness on just about anything and sell it you know, and their and their model for the bras is Kristen Green, <laughs> and there you go, <laughs> Janet survives. Yeah, but uh, I did make a note here, and this is going to seem completely off, off off subject. But I made a note on like Coors Light, <laughs> elegantly <laughs> d- d- dis- uh, uh, disguised with red gaffers tape. Yep, yep, the random beer oh. can, like the tape right over the brand name. Yeah, beer. Was, brand beer. Yeah, it just says <laughs> beer on it, but I was just like, that's obviously Coors Light covered by red gaffer tape. You know, <laughs> that last minute, they're like, we need beers in here for them to drink. Somebody had a case of Coors Light. They just covered it with red gaffer's tape. Yeah. I've seen the same trick done almost, almost fucking identically on a movie set with same. black with black gaffers tape and keystone light. So see the, the, the <laughs> suggestion that I always make in those rare instances where I've been in those scenarios is, is because I think it looks tacky and it looks way too obvious. Like, Oh, look, these people are too cheap to pay to license the beer. Just like have the app. As long as you can't read the name, it's fine. So like have them just palm it where the, where the brand name is. <laughs> Right, have their fingers over it, you know, so you can't read it, and you're perfectly fine. So, but no, they just use tape. I actually, uh, I shot a film in Indiana about three or four weeks ago, and we had to drink a beer for a scene, and it was Corona. We just held our hand over the label. We just, yeah, exactly. We didn't have money and or time to spend time taping up a beer bottle. It's just like put your hand over it. 
turn your hand or inch to the left. When we did Ouija Mummy, we had a sequence where, you know, an actor, a character was supposed to, like, get get some alcohol. But I just had them buy, a, like, a giant bottle of, you know, liquor. And then we just turned the bottle away from the camera. <laughs> so so you just didn't really see the label fully, you know. But, yeah. but yeah, you know, this the, the wonders of independent filmmaking, you know. Hey, you don't have, works. Money to pay, <laughs> you don't have enough money to pay Coors or Bud Light. For their product endorsement, you just cover it up with the actor's hand or a piece of gaffer's tape. It's quite simple. There's oh, so many ways around that. Gaffer's tape has more than its basic use. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. It, it, just like duct tape, you know, with it, there's the million and one uses. <coughs> no. The next note. The next note I have though is Alistair is the smart one of the group. He's the bookworm, the book, the book nerd. He's not a stoner. He's the only time he smokes in the movie is when everybody else is in Bong World, and he smokes from the Bong to go into Bong World to save everybody. Mm-hmm. But, but I wrote a note down here. I'm like, Alistair, for as smart as he is, takes forever to really figure things out, because like Bachman's dead, they throw him down in, like in the basement of the apartment downstairs, like, and just cover him up with laundry and garbage. Larnell, they just he's laying in a, an easy chair for two days, you know, for a day, day and a half, whatever, before they actually, you know, figure out that he's not breathing and not moving any, at all. And I know that the, the idea is that, well, they're so stoned that they don't move around that much anyway. But it's, I just kind of think, you know, Alistair isn't as smart as he lets on. I think he's a mm-hmm. wannabe book nerd, you know, but he's he's struggling. He's struggling with himself. So why it's important that he gets all of that study time and isn't. Uh hindered by all of Larnell's video game playing. So <laughs> he needs all that study time he can cram. Yeah, and that's why he gets so upset and turns off his video game and pisses Larnell off because he turned off Super Mario World. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not Super Mario World with but anyway, we digress yet again. But <laughs> I, I think this is the point to mention that the 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 guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong enters once everybody else is in Bong world, Luann and Janet have succumbed to the, the foils of the Bong. Brett is in there. Bachman's in there. Larnell's in there. It just leaves Alistair. And it, it, Tommy Chung just shows up. He just barges in the door without any kind of hint or cause. And he, uh, as Jimbo, I think his, real, his full name was Jimbo Leary. But yep. basically, you know, he comes in and he's he's pissed off, pissed off because, you know, he knows all about the bong. And but, you know, Alistair says, you know, it says in the ad that the, you know, the owner of the bong died. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not dead. And he's like, I'm just stoned, you know, but his wife <laughs> had sold the bong out from under him. And he was mad because he missed the bong. But he more than anything, he missed his collection of Hot Wheels. I, I just thought that was such a weird reference because it pops up uh, again later on in the movie with. Tommy Chong's character with uh, Jimbo being fixated by fucking Hot Wheels. I, I I don't get it. I love it, but I don't get it at all. You know the ba- the basic toys that keep a keep a stoner entertained. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess if you're a 75 year old stoner, I'm like Hot Wheels are 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 the thing to you know the, the thing to play with. I guess. But yeah. uh, he. Basically tells him the story of the bong, which is very vague. You know, it, it has a voodoo curse on it, and the guy he had gotten it from 
had, uh, you know, sold it to him and warned him about it. But Jimbo had put it in storage and forgot about it until his wife sold it. So he gives Alistair uh, a handful of what's supposed to be. He just says they're like vitamins and stuff, man. And the only a way that Tommy Chong could just hand off a, a handful of pharmaceuticals to somebody be like, yeah, just eat these, man. You know, see what happens. And. So he, he takes he takes he has the pills. Uh, Alistair smokes from the bong. He goes into bong world to to save the day, and that's when uh, essentially we, that's when we get our our Tim Thomerson Jack Death cameo that comes along. We have to mention it again. It's a quick scene, but it bears mentioning more than once. Uh, but Jimbo has a moment uh, where he has a come to Jesus kind of moment where he's fighting with the bong because Evie is very um, uh, she's very much a negotiator. She will negotiate anything to get her way. Uh, she's like, you know, she's like, you know, motherfucker, you know, you want some of this. <laughs> she's also very vulgar. She is. She's very sassy. Yeah, very sassy. But, you know, he Jimbo is, you know, Tommy Chong is Jimbo. He's got a plan. He whips out a hammer. He tries beating the bong into pieces. He can't do it. He pulls out a chainsaw, tries chainsawing the bong. He can't do it. Well, he he can he can do it. It just doesn't work. It just causes absolutely no damage. And he pulls out his last bag, last trick out of his bag of tricks. He's got a a bunch of uh, dynamite wired to a bomb, and he's going to blow it up. And all of a sudden, she gets a little worried. Uh, it's like the first time we actually see Evie kind of worried that anybody can do anything to her. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't really work. The way Jimbo thinks is going to work. I mean, Alistair is, you know, within the bong world, going through the denizens of the of the of the stripper world, bong world, and he gets Janet. He gives her the pills. She starts to come to. She thinks that like Alistair has been messing with her, but he, he's like, no, I'm here to save you. He's like, you know, I didn't do this to you. You did this to yourself when you smoked from the bong. It's <laughs> like Alistair's very protective. Like, no, nope, I didn't fuck with you. I didn't do anything. I, you're actually dead right now, and so am I, because because I'm here to, to help you. But here, take these imaginary dream pills, and these will make everything better. <laughs> There's not know, a lot of Flintstones. Uh, vitamins fix everything. <laughs> Good old Fred and Barney. Fred, Fred <laughs> Flintstone saves the fucking day. Oh, that's great. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of science. There's a lot of what I call pseudo Sharknado type science that works at the end of this, you know, getting all, all the ideas and the rules of Bong World and the EB evil Bong. You know, yeah, it's you very. Just, you just explain away all the nonsense that like makes things make sense. And it usually just feels like bizarre shit you make up on the spot. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, okay, it's midnight. We have to deliver this script by 8 a.m. tomorrow. Let's 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 get cracking here, you know. What happens? Yep. Oh, the, you know. But uh Jimbo's getting ready to blow up the the bong with uh blow up EB with dynamite. She starts pumping out smoke and he's trying to I just remember him saying like three times in a row, it's like, yeah, man, I've, I've built up a resistance, man. And then, but then <laughs> like He's like, man, is that BC Bud? He's like, yeah, you baby, you know it. This is the good shit. And, you know, so she essentially gets him by pumping out weed smoke. And, and what a better, better way to, to trap Tommy Chong than with weed. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> trapping E.T. with uh, Reese's Pieces, you know. And it's the perfect 
just a perfect uh, snare trap. Yep. But uh, we're pretty much almost at the end of the movie at this point. Uh, Jimbo succumbs to EB's haze of bong smoke. He ends up in the uh, bong world. He finds Alistair. He finds Janet. And uh, he's still got the bomb on him, though. So somehow in a physical, in a non-physical form into bong world, the bomb went with him. Again, Sharknado-type <laughs> science. But, you know, we're not, we're not here for science. I mean, when you watch a movie like Evil Bong, and especially if you've watched the first one and you go into any of the sequels, to be quite honest, you're here for boobs, uh, weed, comedy, and cheesy effects. That's what we're here for, and that's what we get. Uh, Jumbo saves the day. You know, uh, Alistair and Janet make a run for it and escape just out the door like the way they just came in, you know. But through the power of their Flintstones vitamins and Jumbo with the, the part of his, uh, what would you call it? Paraphysical, metaphysical uh, dynamite that he blows up EB with. I yeah. mean, I, I don't even get it at this point. Side out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he sacrifices himself. Jumbo does. He blows up Bong World for the time being because, you know, you can't ever really permanently kill eb you can't really ever destroy her world it's just like chucky it's just like jason Voorhees. you know you just kill them it's only a, an inconvenience really for them they're, they're gonna come back because they're mm-hmm. they are forever and but once he blows up the world from within everybody returns to normal uh everybody is still alive when bachman wakes up he comes bursting out of the door you know he's like man i just woke up under a pile of garbage in the basement like what the hell is going on <laughs> But that's essentially the the end of our movie. Everybody is saved. It's a it's nice little, uh, you know, uh, it's tied up with a nice little bow at the end. Everybody is alive. Brett and Bachman and Luann and, and Larnell, everybody, Alistair, Janet, everybody's alive. And even uh, Jimbo, uh, even though he blew up Bong World, he is now kind of the reigning king. He's sitting on EB's little throne with a bunch of the the bong world strippers and what is it they're like well now that you're here and you're, you're kind of the leader what do you want to do and he's like i want you to play with my hot wheels <laughs> and he just and he literally just is he's so giddy he's like a little kid he's just handing a hot wheel off to these half dozen strippers that are there and it pretty much ends on a note with the uh, jimbo leary playing with hot wheels with a bunch of a topless women you know which I guess, you know, in a way, you know, that was his idea of heaven. It's a strange uh, lapse of, yeah, like movie logic where he sacrifices himself to defeat her by blowing her up from the inside out. But somehow Bong World still survived along with him on the inside. Yeah, it is twisted logic. So she did not. And now he's the king of Bong World. But then when you get to part two bong world is like a jungle and jimbo doesn't exist anymore so 
Yeah, and if there's one thing, you know, because we will cover the sequels, you know, eventually we'll we'll cover Evil Bonk 2 through 8, you know, or well, actually through 7, if you, but all 8 chapters, we'll call it. But mm-hmm. there's never really even any mention of Jimbo after that. That is Unless- pretty much forgotten. I, they talk about the origins of where she came from in the second one, but I don't think they ever really name name reference Jimbo ever again. So, which is just kind of sad. He was a great character. I can understand that they couldn't afford to bring Tommy Chong back, or maybe they just didn't want to. But like, they could have made some sort of reference, like not him. bringing Busey back for all of the Ginger Dead sequels. So, <laughs> it's just too expensive. So, spend the money on the first one, and then you can recycle his footage in the sequels if you want to. So. Right, but with even with uh, you know with uh, Jimbo, you know, with Tommy Chong, they didn't even do that. They just completely, you know, ignored him and forgot about him afterwards, which mm-hmm. always made me a tinge bit sad. I always kept hoping that there be at least you know some off reference, like you know that Jimbo guy, you know, just something. It's just funny because with with the fascination of constantly doing like Puppet Master prequels set during World War Two era period piece type complicated shit like that it would be interesting if they could do like an evil bong zero or something you know as like a prequel and do one telling the story of like young jimbo finding the bong and buying it and when she actually did kill all his friends because that sounds like a pretty fun story that i would totally watch right you know, I mean, but, and they could do it in such a way where they could just get Tommy Chong and dye his hair black and just have it be obvious that it's old Tommy Chong playing a, a young Tommy Chong, which yeah. would be a laugh and a hoot in and of itself. Or, yeah, or if they just wanted to be super cheap, they could just set it one Jimbo's like super young and they could just cast a younger actor to do a good Tommy Chong impersonation. So, like, I think personally, they should probably just get uh, old, uh, old Mitch that played Bachman. To just play a younger Tommy Chong. He had it down pat. Yeah. Yeah, true. But that's uh, the one thing I got to mention before we get into our, our final ratings and review here is uh, the, the theme song, which comes into play in, in the many, many sequels. Uh, the, I think it's done by a band called District 78. I don't know the name of the actual theme song other than just Evil Bong theme. It's a catchy little tune. It's yeah, very Wicked. much a Rastafarian kind of t- song, but uh, it's very catchy. Yeah, Wicked Weed, it was. It appears in every movie. It's usually the opening credit sequence song. It was performed by District 78, which was a group that Full Moon worked with a lot during that time period. Uh, the lead singer of District 78 was actually Robert Steinmiller Jr., who was Kristen Green's husband at the time. Oh, so so uh, if, uh, that's right. That played Janet. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So if so, if you take a take a look back in film history, did you ever see the movie The Ref with Dennis? Yeah. Lowe? Wait a minute. He was the kid, right? He played Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis's son. Right. I. So he would later wow. grow up to become a become a rocker, start a band. Marry, marry a full moon actress, and they perform the theme song to every Evil Bong movie. So that's amazing. <clears throat> as soon as you said uh, the ref, I pick. I'm like, it would have to have been the kid. He would have been the only one, one that would have been age appropriate to to to, yep. to do that. He, he did a good little uh, 
extent of work as a as a child star. So he was in like that dog movie Bingo. He was in this big DeVito flop called Jack the Bear. I remember that. As uh, I think one of DeVito's kids. Um, he was in Rudy, the Sean Astin film. So I mostly remember him from The Ref. That is literally, with no exaggeration, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. The Ref is an amazing comedy. <laughs> so it, it never got any better for Dennis Leary after that. I love Dennis Leary. I think he's a great comedian. He's one of the greatest, but it, it never got, as far as I'm concerned, his material never got any better than it did with The Ref. I just... I identify with his character in that movie and the whole family, the whole dynamic of the, the you know, family at Christmas time being so dysfunctional. Mm. I yeah. identify with that. <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, amazing comedy. And it's the perfect role for, for Dennis Leary, honestly. So I yeah. think like, like I can't think of the other stuff that district 78 did music for. But they they had appeared on a couple, couple other former movies around that same time that they actually I believe did the soundtrack for, as well. So they're listed for having done the main theme for one of Full Moon's erotic movies as well, called Erotic Secrets. Which... Didn't they do some songs for uh, Ouija's? If not, well, if not, they should have. <laughs> I don't believe so. Yeah, they should have. <laughs> it seems like such a gimme, you know. Yeah, because that's that's like that's the new school good full moon. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the mo- that's the movie that like ten years from now if we don't have seven sequels to it. Uh, a crime has been committed. So <laughs> well, it's, it's like you've said, and and many others have said. You know that for for Charlie, everything is sequel worthy. It just depends on what the fans want and what the fans ask for. You know. Uh, you know what? They District seventy eight did also did music for Doll Graveyard, Petrified, and the Haunted Casino. Haunted so, Casino. All of which, minus Petrified, are all Christian Green films. So it seemed to see a correlation there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, before we get in, into our final ratings re- re- reviews for this, um, where do you rate this film? among the franchise of, of all eight eight films where do you among rate it films? Yeah. um personally i think it's funny because i know a lot of people that you either love or hate this movie there's no middle ground i think oh no <laughs> but, no uh, it's divisive and, and i think there are certain installments that i think are actually far worse than this one uh personally i think that you know you ever hear that saying like uh, that all of the odd installments of Elm Street are the good ones and the even ones are the bad ones or how they yeah. say like the the odd ins- I think they don't they even say that for s- the Star Trek movies. They used to say that like the, all the even numbered ones were the good ones and the odd numbered ones were the bad ones. Most of the odd numbered ones, I think, are the stinkers in this because I think three, five and seven are the worst. I would say three is probably my least favorite. Three is, I don't like it as much as I want to. And it's unfortunate because three is a lot of great talent. Like uh, Al was played by Peter Stickles in that one, who 
is a is a friend of mine and done a lot of work for you know independent film and he's been in a couple of full moon movies you know he's in that it had Irwin keys part three was also a subject of another online title contest like i like the aforementioned ooga booga two uh they ran a similar oh, yeah. contest for evil bong three where you could pitch a title and a plot and whoever won uh basically they made that movie and Evil Bong 3D became Wrath of Bong as like a spoof of Wrath of Khan uh, yeah. with a space bong voiced by full regular Circus Sir- Shalevsky. But uh, I just I don't I don't like it. It's just it's I mean there's there's good stuff about it. It's just it doesn't work as well for me as some of the other ones. I think of all eight of them, this is actually the best one. And I think that one of the main things that help that is is that it's the core group of four actors and i think the the girls with luann and janet i think it was a it's a it's a good strong kind of quirky ensemble of characters the only it's it's a good ensemble it is yeah and it like i was always upset that janet never came back for any of the sequels but i believe I could be wrong, but I want to say around that time, maybe a little after this, um, Kristen Green had got a job working for CMT, uh, Country Music Television, as like a host and that kind of thing. So she was doing a lot of television work. And I think that she just, you know, wasn't doing, you know, full moon as much, right. you know. So, but everybody, uh, move, everybody moves on to other things, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that. It had the best. It had the best ensemble. The only casting defect is the fact that Rabbit is like a two-minute cameo, whereas in some of the other movies, I mean, he's like a major, major supporting. Or in some of them, like uh, I think Evil Bong Four Twenty is the. He's like top build. He is the lead in those movies. I think he. I think you're right. It is uh, Evil Bong Four Twenty where he was was top build. Yeah, because Four Twenty, he is the four. Yeah, around three, it started that weird. Three started a weird trend where the movies felt like sitcoms, where there's like, granted, this movie only has two sets. You have the apartment, and you have the bar. Oh, yeah, and the bong world. Yeah, that's the only two sets but, you have. But there's but there's a lot of motion in those areas. And some of the later sequels, like in three, they're just in that head shop in Miami, in like the front room and the back room. And that is it, other than on the spaceship. <laughs> and then right. in 420, they are just in that bowling alley. And it's just like they're very like one set, <laughs> one direction camera setups where it feels yeah, very like simple very, very simple sitcom shot. style to the point where characters just sort of like come in the door and they're like oh hey it's you what are you doing here and everyone I just call it the seinfeld effect you know it's like kramer yeah, it's all, kind of barges into the room and like hey what's going on norm you know yeah it's like the, it's like those obnoxious neighbor characters from like sitcoms yeah like charlie busting in on like empty nest or like that obnoxious old lady on Alf that just keeps popping over, you know, like <laughs> so you just get these obnoxious characters that sort of pop in and they really don't serve any purpose other than to like deliver a little comedic 
skit, you know, and then they leave the show or film. And that's kind of the structure all the later films follow to a degree. So it does seem to do that, that weird transition once they got rid of the core group of, of, of actors, the core group of people after part three, it did. I, I I I couldn't describe it myself at first, but yeah, I think the way you you put it, it, it does become very sitcommy. There's a very weird shift to after things become more rabbit and Luan focused, and later, I mean, there's a lot of other characters that become regulars, obviously, but even more so when it becomes more centered around characters like Phoebe and Lucy for and like parts five and six, the the Mindy Robinson characters and stuff. Right. I mean, come part six, you've got like, you know, a devil worshiper as your lead character. <laughs> so, but I yeah, think this is actually one of the better ones. I think six is actually pretty amazing. Um, my favorite is one, probably two than six. See, I like one. Uh, I think for me, my, my actual favorites are like one, four twenty and six, six, six. But I do like, there's a lot of stuff I like about part two. I like the setup of part two, and I like that part two, part two introduces the Velicity character that becomes Larnell's love interest for the next, like, four films, I think. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I love that character. I love Velicity, played by Amy Pathrath. And um, I well, like I just, the setup in the jungle and stuff. You don't I was going to say, I love the, the jungle open. setup. And I love uh, not only the jungle setup, but just Cyril coming back into action and being a bigger part of the picture. Who can who can magically walk now through the power of weed? So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because if you look at part one, part one, the Bong World, yeah, it's a bar, but it's a bar where you notice every shot in Bong World is framed by that like that sort of like fisheye lens effect. Yeah. That. You know, and then in the later films, it's like Bong World is just like a giant, like, nature, Plant. jungle kind of. Yeah, oh, like its own fucking continent. With like, yeah, with like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a weird overgrown, you know, like weed continent with like bong water and like volcanoes. <laughs> and random naked native women. So, but it, uh, it opened up, I think like, part two opened the series up more. And I liked the setup of. You know, the the guys having the effects from smoking the weed and part one of them having to try and cure the effects because it felt like it was taking the <laughs> silliest little sound. It's taking the plot of Evil Bong and actually taking it a step forward into, uh, you know, something yeah. different. But a lot of those themes and things like, you know, Jimbo and the Bong world being a titty bar in part one, you know, you get to the next movie and none of that shit matters because none of it counts. So they re rewrote their own mythology, which you know, that's, you just they can kind of, do. you just facelift it to whatever suits you best for the time, I guess. So it's this series is one too that like I it became very uh, it's like one of those things you always knew. You remember the period where you were getting like every Halloween you knew you were getting a new Saw movie. It was just like it was again. Like every every Halloween, actually, for a while, you knew you were getting a new Paranormal Activity movie. There was a period on Full Moon streaming where you knew just every 4:20 you were going to get a new Evil Long film. Yeah, so, well, we can only, only hope that they they continue that trend yeah. again some someday. Full Moon streaming premiered with 
their premiere film was Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. That was like the big premiere film. It was the first movie they debuted on the streaming service. So nice. Uh, I remember but, when uh, uh, Ch- Charlie sold me on that uh, Full Moon streaming service when I saw him at Cinema Wasteland Convention a few <laughs> years back. He's like, can we count on your support? I'm like, you have my support from the word go, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I've had Full Moon streaming ever ever since it started back in 13. So, Well, you want to go ahead and we'll uh, give us this, our, our final ratings, and uh, call it an evening? Sure. All right. Well, you, you you know the rules. Guests go first. So go ahead with your final review and rating on a scale from one to ten. So, you know, like I said, Evil Bong, it's one of those very divisive movies where people will seem to either really dig it or they just despise it and think it's like the ultimate in like stupid filmmaking. But I like it. I like I said, I really like the the core group of characters we have. I like the setup. I like the fact that it is sort of like the the definitive Full Moon Universe movie. It offers a lot of connectivity through a lot of the, the film worlds. Uh, you get a lot of the cameos by a lot of the popular, you know, Full Moon actors and characters and stuff, you know. And one one thing I will note, too, right now is because we talked about a lot of the other characters that pop up in Bong World uh, when Jack attack appears in bong world probably noticed that that's the the versus version from the sci-fi channel film not the (laughs) version i i uh i I did notice that i I think at the time yeah i think at the time those props probably weren't around anymore and i think farley had jeff farley had just worked on that other movie probably so that was what was at arm's length but uh you get all those characters like him and Uga Booga and gender dead man you know so it's like if you're a fan of like if you're the like a, a pure fan of what charles band does and the movies that full moon has established over the decades i think that you have to have an appreciation for this movie uh whether you like it or not i myself I have no problem with if people want to, you know, you know, smoke weed, get high, whatever, you know, that's anyone's anyone's business. I myself don't really partake in that kind of thing. And that's fine. But I do find this movie very amusing. You know, will I say it's better than like Dazed and Confused or like an actual Cheech and Chong movie? No. But, uh, you know, but what I which would I watch more first this because it's it is like the ultimate full moon movie. So I think that despite whatever anyone thinks, I feel like there was a lot of heart and work put into it. And I really enjoy it. I think it's the best one of eight films, which is saying something because, <laughs> you know, once you get up to, you know, almost 10 installments, you know, there's a lot to work with. but. I think it's the most solid one of, you know, everything said and done. I'd give it an eight. Nice. I agree with you on, on some on some points. You know, it's not the pentalimate, uh, you know, the ultimate uh, stoner comedy, you know. Like you mentioned, Days of Confused or, the, you know, uh, some of the uh, Cheech and Chong films or even like Jay and Silent Bob and whatnot. Mm. But, but it is the best full moon stoner comedy. Which there is yeah. you know, several ones with Ouija's and the others, you know, Evil Bong sequels and whatnot. 
But it is. It's like the cavalcade the of stars, the starcade of um, you, you know, full moon with all the different characters, the different actors, the different cameos from different puppets and everything. You know, it just felt like a who's who of full moon. You know, especially at a time when full moon was reinventing itself. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Re- they didn't go back and reinvent the wheel with this thing. But they they sure, you know, they gave that they didn't reinvent the wheel, but they gave that wheel a nice wax job and a nice chrome finish. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely the best of the series. Uh, I love Tommy Chong in it. I think it's the kind of funny that they put starring Tommy Chong on the front and put <laughs> him featured with a chainsaw. So you think you're going to get a crazy Tommy Chong, you know. With the you know killing people with a chainsaw when I first saw it on the video store shelf, and uh, you know when there were still were video store shelves, I think I I, I had bought it from uh, Family Video back in the day. But uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a bait and switch. But I still didn't feel disappointed that we didn't get like a crazy Tommy Chong killing you know people with a chainsaw because that's what I thought we were getting into. <laughs> you know, I first saw this you know 14 years ago. But yeah. it is great. You know, it's the last time and probably will be the definitively last time we'll see Tim Thomerson probably in a full moon movie at all, let alone yeah. as Jack Death. And even though it was a little cameo, I love it for that. I love it for having Phil, Phil in it, you know, and Cindy Carl Davies. I, I hope to work with him one day just from a fanboy standpoint and professional standpoint. I would love to be able to put that man in a movie. Because I feel like you could just turn the camera on that man and just record him reading the phone book, and it would be interesting. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a character no matter what it is. Yes, <laughs> so. yes he is. But uh, I like the music. It's not usually my forte. It's not my thing uh, of, of music, the kind of reggae-type stuff. But it's <laughs> good. It's really good. It's catchy. It's, you know, it's a catchy little tune. And, you know, there's music by Cottonmouth Kings uh, and Clown Posse on it. And it's just a good all-around soundtrack. And it's, you know, it's very simply shot. It's not Charles Band's greatest directing feature. You know, he's he's directed things on a much grander level. But but it's, it's simpli- simplicity at its finest. And uh, I love it. You know, and like you said about, uh, you know, not being a, a stoner or partaking, I, I have been known to partake a time or two. Um, but that doesn't affect my love for it, uh, whether or not that I would think I would like this, even if I you know, wasn't an advocate of the weed. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a fun movie. And like you said, it's a full moon lover's dream. If If you love full moon and you're a fan, this has to be, you know, in one of your top films because it's just you know it plays a lot of fan service and i I love it for that i come in uh, just slightly lower my in my handwritten notes i I usually i always change my rating from where i come before the show and after the show because usually after a discussion whether it's with you or with somebody else somebody will bring something up that'll make me realize something that i miss or make me appreciate something you know, or explain something maybe that I missed or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my ratings will sometimes go up or go down, but my ratings stay the same on this one. I give it a 7.5. So I'm coming in just a little underneath you. Nice. But, you know, but, it's something to be said about it, man. It's, you know, a movie that can spawn that many sequels, you know, love it or hate right. it. There's some, there's something there. 
Well, you know, a friend of mine once, I, I played this for a good buddy of mine. And he's like, well, that movie was dumb. He's like, it's just a popcorn flick. And I looked at him, I go, let me ask you something. Do you like popcorn? He's like, yeah, I love popcorn. And I just raised an eyebrow at him and looked at him like, well, you just said it was a popcorn what's, flick. Yeah, what's, it, the yeah. <laughs> hey, what's the problem? He's like, mm, yeah. you know, I guess I see what just, just you're saying. But yeah, it's a, it's a good popcorn movie, you know. Whether you partake or not, it could enhance or dehance your, you know, your enjoyment of the film. But just mm-hmm. get a bucket of popcorn, and uh, you know, it's it's a movie where you 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 don't have to think too hard. You know, if if you yeah. want some mindless entertainment, pick up Beetle Vaughn. And, and in the in the big scope of things, like it's a very significant part of the history of Fullman. So. Uh, yeah. And it's the and it's the last known work for cinematographer Mac Alberg, so who was a master cinematographer and shot countless films, not just for Charlie, but seven. and it was his last film. I believe it is his last known work. Yes. So. so. Well, you know, like I said, the, there there's room in the world for popcorn, you know, and so there should be room in the world for Evil Bong. Is it highbrow entertainment? No. It's lowbrow entertainment, but there's a place for low lowbrow entertainment, and it never feels, you know, this will maybe feel or sound strange saying this, but it never feels exploitive, even though there's you know lots of foul language, there's lots of nudity, and there's you know when yeah. the kills happen, there's lots of blood, but it never feels quite exploitive. It feels very it's, fun and very aloof, you know. Yeah, it's very playful, and even in you know. Where the women are concerned, the women, the women are the ones in charge committing the violence, not the men. So <laughs> the women are the ones in charge. So yeah, I and, and I don't really think it's. I mean, it, it's exploitation, yeah, but it's not like it's not to that level of like sleazy exploitation that most other stuff is, because it has a lighter, lighter tone to it. Exactly. You know, it's very lighthearted. It's just a very fun movie. Yeah. You know, and I think this, you know, I would definitely call this a straight up comedy, even though it has e- or, uh, horror tendencies and horror elements. It's a straight up comedy. You know, the horror yeah. is almost very secondary to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a side note, really. And yeah. funny thing, have I ever told you the my evil bong history story? No. No. So go ahead. once upon a time, I remember God, this had to be maybe back in oh five ish. I was I had my apartment back then. Uh, I loved my apartment. <laughs> and uh, I was I came home from work one day, checking my email because I used to work two jobs, work like, you know, 80, 90 hour weeks. Oof, and I've been there. I've been there. Yeah come home and have like an hour in between. So I'd come home, eat, shower up, and then, you know, check my email real fast and then bolt to the second job. So I'm checking my email and I had an email from Full Moon. And what it was, was they were reaching out to a select number of uh, fans. And I think it was something to the effect of they had done sort of an accumulative spending uh, dissection of all fan club members and basically tallied up 
how much money each person had actually spent on the website thus far. And the people who had actually spent the most money were given private opportunities via email to be a part of Fulman's next big top secret production, which was Evil Bong. And if you accepted, you would be, you could come out to LA and be a PA on the set. This was a few years before I actually started doing any of my own film work and I was still working, you know, like rigorous, you know, nine to five jobs and stuff. So I didn't really have the time or the yeah, money. Say, if, if you resources. were working 80, 80, 90 hours a week, I'm sure there was no time yeah. for filmmaking yeah. at that. Nowadays, I'd have the total flexibility to get away and go do something crazy like that. But uh, it just wasn't wasn't in the cards because obviously travel and you know accommodations, none of that was part of the deal, you know. So, right. but but you had an easy end to come and actually work on the set for the for the production. So, but and, and to say that you would have been working on a full moon movie, heck, that'd be worth paying your own way right then and there. Yeah, and this of all things, too. I mean, look at who you'd have been on set with. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, right? You'd have to work with Sonny and, you know, I mean, all the guys and girls aside, you know, you'd freaking be there with, like, Bill Mosley and Tim Thomerson and Phil Fondacaro. And Charlie. Yeah, Davis, I mean, working with Charlie. the man himself. Yeah, it's like, it, 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 I kick myself every day. <laughs> For not for not having shit out, you know, flight money and you know, hotel money to fly out there and stay. But I didn't know people out there like I do now either. So nowadays, I'd have any you know very easy time going out there and you know doing stuff like that. I've went out there and done stuff, but like well, you, you know, what I, you need to do, you need to become their top uh, uh, buyer from the website once again. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's a few people that are probably challenging me on that point at this at this day and age, but uh, you know, it's yeah, the amount of money I have spent on that side is preposterous. We won't talk numbers. <laughs> so, it may, will, will it make you cry if you actually said the number out loud? Probably. I'm glad to say I don't know an exact number, but it probably would bring a tear to both our eyes. So. <laughs> Be like, oh, there's there's a budget for ten movies right there, huh? Yeah, there's uh, ten movies. Shit, I could have probably made like thirty. <laughs> uh, when I think of the the money I've spent on just physical media alone, not counting posters and lobby cards, which is like my passion in collecting, you know, is God. I, I if I could take half that money, I can make ten movies and hand you probably a few thousand dollars back. I'm sure. My defense is is that it's a it's a healthy obsession. Doesn't hurt anyone. Doesn't hurt me, <laughs> you know. So it's like it's just it's you know yeah it's probably junk to other people, but you know I like it. I could be buying how I could be buying drugs. Right. <laughs> I could I'd be, be buying the evil weed. Yeah, I could be buying you know something far worse. So I could be you know smoking a crack pipe. So. Which, which, this being an Evil Bong show, I have to say, there are two Evil Bong sequels that ended with sequel tags that we never got the sequels to. I don't know if you remember these, because Evil Bong 3D ends with a tag saying to watch out for Evil Bong versus the Killer Crack Pipe. I remember that. I thought that was part four, but I, yeah, I did remember that. that. Presumably going to be part four, but then they just decided to do a versus movie instead. 
Uh, yeah, maybe they got a little bit of flack with the crack pipe thing, and they're just like, yeah, nah, we're, nah, maybe we're not yeah. going to go there. I think weed can be more playful. There's not really much playful about, like, smoking crack. So. Well, yeah, and let's face it, weed is becoming legal just about everywhere, you know. I, I never thought I'd see it in my, in my lifetime that, you know, we'd be seeing legalization so widespread. But yeah. I personally... uh you know, there's a lot of worse things, like you said, that you could be spending your money on, you know, uh, a lot worse. And and on that point, too, like being that weed is mostly illegal in a lot of places now, too, does that make these movies as relevant anymore either? You know? Well, you know, I mean, you've almost seen the absent, uh, the absence of, uh, you know, weed comedy is here lately. You know, it's just it's just not so much a taboo thing anymore, you know? It was a big deal when, you know, uh, Cheech and Chong put out the the Big Bamboo album with, you know, giant album-sized rolling papers in it, you know. And now mm-hmm. nobody would buy it, nobody would bat an eye. You know, yeah. it, it's a sad day when the weed comedy might be a thing of the past. Yeah. I hope not. You know, I hope not. I know we recently got, like, How High 2, a sequel that no one was asking for. So, uh, <laughs> someone's still producing them somewhere. But, uh... Well, yeah, Kevin, like, Smith, yeah. Kevin Smith's still making movies, and his yeah. movies are heavily uh, centered in the, the the realm of the weed world. Yep. And to, to take it back to maybe not like weed, but the edibles, um, <laughs> Evil Bong 666 ended with the promise of Ginger Dead Man rebaked, which I was hoping that instead of an Evil Bong film, we would get a new standalone Ginger Dead Man movie after that. But alas, it hasn't happened yet. So. Well, you know, I think they could very well bring Gary Busey back because now that he's doing uh, TV pseudo reality shows like Gary Juice, uh, Gary almost said Gary <laughs> Juice. <laughs> Tell you where my mind's at, Gary Juicy, your Gary Busey Pet Justice or Pet Court. You know, he, he he's probably up for a full moon return right about now. I think he just likes money at this point. So. <laughs> You know, how many almost 80-year-old actors are constantly working? He is, you know, so. Honestly, he's more popular now nowadays than he was 30 years ago, so. Yeah, he's laughing all the way to the bank. He's he's still working and making money, so people can make fun of him all they want. But he, he's got more money than either you and I combined on any given day, so. Yeah, he's, he's even on his poorest day, he's still cashing them checks that are way bigger than ours, so. <laughs> You got that right. Oh well. On that note, I think we can call this a an end end to this particular chapter of howling at the full moon and the end of uh, our first uh, evil bong. Uh, I look forward to doing the next one. I don't know when we'll uh, tackle another evil bong movie. I know there's several more movies that I have on the slate uh, here to record and do here in the near future, but. You can count on more of the evil bongs coming your way. So I want to thank you folks that have been listening in. Once again, you have been listening to Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. I am your host, Cameron Scott. This has been my co-host, Dustin Hubbard. I want to thank you, Dustin, for taking a couple hours out of your busy schedule and out of your nighttime life to do this silly little show with me. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm always, always thrilled to come on and talk full moon and uh, just to remind all the viewers, as EB would, remember, weed is life.
That's some good shit, man. Yeah, baby. You're not the only one who can take it up a notch. What is that, BC bud? Fucking A. Mmm. Oh. You think you're gonna get me this way? Hey, man. I built up resistance over the years, man. Uh-huh. It's gonna take a lot more than, than this little weak shit to get me. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, sounds like old times, Jimbo, baby. Oh, yeah? You call that a nut, man? Oh. Oh. No, no. This ain't gonna get me. I built up... I built up a resistance. I can... I can... Jimbo. Oh. Jimbo, baby. Oh. oh, no. You mind, baby? I can... I you can... You mind. Put... You mind. Admit it. Admit it. You mind. Oh, that's... Good shit. <laughs> yes, baby.